Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then, Stripe tap-to-pay on iPhone came along and changed everything. With Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. No more juggling different methods. Just a simple tap on my iPhone and transactions are complete. What's truly remarkable is how Stripe caters to all my customers' preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Stripe ensures a smooth checkout experience every time. Setting up Stripe was a breeze, taking just minutes to get up and running. From local markets to global retailers, Stripe helped me expand my reach and grow my business with ease. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone. Thanks to everyone who supports Daily Tech News Show directly. To find out more, head to dailytechnewsshow.com slash support. This is the Daily Tech News for Tuesday, October 16th, 2018 in Los Angeles. I'm Tom Merritt. And from Studio Feline, I'm Sarah Lane. And from the Finnish countryside, I'm Patrick Beja. And from the border of the L.A. County area. I'm Roger Chang. <laughs> you seem to shift around. You're oh, in the L.A. County border. You there. never know where I'm at. My house it's, moves. It's like Brigadoon. <laughs> you have to believe in Roger's house for it to show up. Well, you know, it's Waterworld after all. Oh, it's Waterworld. Right. Yeah, of course. Hey, uh, we're going to talk about the state of video game streaming services in the, in the light of the launching of some not streaming services. Uh, Patrick, are you ready to tell us all about this? I'm looking forward to it. Listen, I was born ready for many things, but for this especially, I was super born ready. Excellent. Let's or start. Or born super ready. However, with a few tech things you should know. Microsoft co-founder Paul Allen has died from complications of non-Hodgkin's lymphoma at 65 years old. Allen also owned the NFL Seattle Seahawks and the NBA Portland Trailblazers and was a big rock music fan, in fact, funded and designed the Experience Music Project in Seattle. We, uh, I think three of the four of us here all worked for him and shook his hand when he took over Tech TV. He fought cancer from 1983 until now, so amazing. And he was also a philanthropist. He yeah. is giving a yeah. lot of his money the, the to... Man, yeah, a lot of accomplishments will be sorely missed. Amazon announced a new model of the Kindle Paperwhite that's waterproof and supports audible audiobooks over Bluetooth. Brightness range uh, up to 10 per- 10% brighter. Sorry, brightness range up to 10% brighter. The new design is 8.18 millimeter th- thick and weighs 182 grams. The 8 gigabytes version is 130 bucks and the 32 gigabytes version is 160 American dollars. And uh, 32 gigabytes and free LTE is 250 now, yesterday we reported the Axios story that Apple had acquired a sigh. However, we missed the TechCrunch article, which was posted in our subreddit and mentioned in chat by Strike It Rich, that clarified Apple hired a size three founders to work on Apple Music. 
In addition, and probably what confused the story a little, is Asai shut down its service on October 14th. Now, while the particulars of the acquisition were in error, the idea of Apple using AI to identify artists to sign still seems to be the logical conclusion of the transaction. However, we regret the error. Now, this just in. Netflix announced its earnings for Q3 with subscriber growth of 6.96 million, beating its own estimates of 5 million. 1.09 million came from the U.S. That also beat expectations. And Netflix predicted an even bigger Q4 when they expect to add 9.4 million subscribers. Company's net income rose to $402.8 million or 89 cents a share. The Wall Street Journal reports that Apple has apologized for stolen Apple IDs that were used to make unauthorized App Store purchases in China obtained through phishing scams. Users had apparently connected their Apple accounts to mobile payment systems, Alipay and WeChat Pay. Then those IDs were used to make purchases through the App Store. Quote, we are deeply apologetic about the inconvenience caused to our customers by these phishing scams, Apple said in a statement to its Chinese users. All right, let's talk a little bit more about Huawei announcing a bunch of new things. And just before that, a uh, bigger Q4 for Netflix. Do people give Netflix for Christmas? That's weird. Why bigger Q4? Maybe there's a reason. Because they get know. devices that then they want to watch Netflix on. Uh, like a TV? I'm guessing. Like maybe. a TV. <laughs> Huawei announced the Mate 20 and Mate 20 Pro with three cameras on the back and a 6.4-inch OLED display. The Mate 20 Pro adds an in-display fingerprint sensor, 3D face unlock, and the ability to wirelessly charge any Qi-compatible device. It's uh, the first phone to use Huawei's 7-nanometer Kirin 980 CPU. The Mate 20 costs 799 to 849 euros and the May 20 Pro runs a thousand and 49 euros and both are available now if neither of those are large enough for you there's also the Mate 20X or Mate 2010 <laughs> I, think it, I think it's X in this case but. okay in this case all right with a 7.2 inch OLED display and 5,000 milliamp hour battery for 899 euros coming October 26th finally Huawei announced uh, Watch GT, which drops Google's Wear OS in favor of Huawei's own Light OS. It claims to get two weeks on a charge if you only use the track workouts and heart rate. It will sell for 199 euros to 249 euros when it gets a release date. Yeah, so kind of a big deal that they they dropped Wear OS, uh, but it's it's essentially a glorified fitness tracker, which is why I can do those long battery lives. So it's a little bit limited in functionality. Uh, but wow, those Mate Pro, the Mate Pro with like everything, basically everything you've seen from every other flagship phone is in. <laughs> we got Face ID, we got a fingerprint <laughs> sensor under the screen, uh, and and to boot, nobody else lets your phone charge another phone wirelessly uh, over the Qi. That's pretty pretty cool. And actually, I'm tempted by the 7.2 inch OLED. To be honest, I will like that size of a screen for reading books and stuff. Uh, 899 euros might be a little bit much for that. I would too, but I, you know, at first I. Was like, isn't that the iPad Mini size? iPad Mini is seven point nine, mm-hmm. but but it but it's close. It's that's a big phone. Um, but yes, if it was your all in one device and you don't have small pockets to worry about, then that it would be advantageous, especially if you're I'm just thinking of it as a like a tablet with LTE or something, you know, <laughs> like well, yeah, I mean it's a, it's a small tablet, right? 
I think at some point, you know, that would have been created some kind of hysteria in the streets, like, oh, a 7.2 inch right. phone? Are you crazy? But right. now it's, it's kind now of, we're like, oh, oh okay. yeah, it's, it's just slightly bigger than the one I have now. Cool. Getting bigger all the time. Sony announced it will begin using a blockchain system to safeguard materials in its Sony global education business. The system will verify who created content and track sharing of that content. Sony says it's contemplating using the system for music, films, VR content, and eBooks as well. Oh, Sony. They pioneered the rootkit back in the day uh, for for DRM. That didn't work out so well for them. But I think this is a much better approach because, uh, first of all, it's educational stuff. So it's all writing based, uh, which lends itself to an open ledger like blockchain very well. And it'll be an interesting experiment to see because the, the benefit of blockchain over typical DRM is it it leaves the content open. It just allows you to prove that you do or do not own it. So it gets rid of a lot of the downsides of DRM. I'm not saying it's perfect, but it's it's a it's a more internet-centric way of doing things. Nobody else is going to buy. It, I agree. Right? Well, I mean, does it mean when you does it mean that you can uh do what you want with your content again you know it's still gonna run into the it's still gonna it's still drm so it's still gonna need to check with the blockchain to make sure you you are you are the you are allowed to use the thing that you're using right but i mean can i copy it and and play it with any uh player i guess if they allow you then yeah you 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 could but again we're talking about writing here not not music so Mm. it becomes a whole different thing if you start using it in media doesn't it At the Wired 25 Summit in San Francisco, Google CEO Sundar Pichai said Google is taking a longer-term view of operating a search engine in China. Pichai acknowledged uh, what is called Project Dragonfly, which has reportedly caused backlash and even some resignations at Google. Pichai says the company is exploring how it would work, but has not decided if it would actually launch a search engine in China again. Even while following Chinese law, Pichai said that Dragonfly would be able to answer well over 99% of the queries put to it, and that there are many areas where we would provide information better than what's available. Not necessarily throwing shade, but he's comparing himself to Baidu. Google pulled out of China in 2010. They did run a search engine up until then. At the time, Google blamed sophisticated attacks targeting human rights activists uh, using their information, as well as limits on free speech. Uh, neither, well, you could, you could say, okay, maybe they won't be attacked, uh, have cyber attacks levied against them, but the, the limits are still the same limits in, in China. I do think it is justifiable for Google to examine this, to say, let's set up a project to examine what this would mean so that they can continue to make an informed decision about whether they want to operate there. Well, I mean, I, I think it's reasonable for any company to do this mm-hmm. uh, in a in a you know in a vacuum, um, and he's making some interesting points. He's really worked this message with his PR team very cleverly. Um, he says things like, "Well, you know, in every country we have to adapt to the regulations," and the, which is true. I think the key here is that people aren't really upset that Google would work with in China. Many companies do that, and it's kind of a uh, an accepted fact of life that you have to work in China and abide by Chinese rules. The problem with Google, which he's kind of sweeping under the rug, is that they left China. That's what people are upset about. They left, they took a stand a stand and they said, we will not work with a government that is like this. Of course, it was a long time ago, but still... 
So that's what people are upset about. Uh, otherwise, people would be upset about every single tech company in the world because they're all working in China. Yeah, it feels like a change of mind, right? And it's one thing it, if it feels they, like going back on your principles. It's if, more it's than one just thing a change. Well, and probably- I, think, I think that's why the a lot of the PR about this is like, well, we're testing something. We don't know if we're going to launch it yet. Google might be very sure that they're going to launch it, right? Because this is a market that they would like to get back into. But, uh, you know, if, if, if you, if you sound very deliberate in, in your thinking and really weighing the options, then that's kind of how you have to approach this, no matter what Google's actually. Yeah. But I, I think the problem is they're saying we're just testing it. But hey, China makes up 20% of the world and we're supposed to serve the entire world with information. And 99% of the searches would go through. And it, it really sounds like they're trying to justify going in at that point. I think that's another thing that gets people upset. Yeah. And and that's the very carefully crafted PR message because that was true in 2010 when they left. Yeah. So anyway. In July, the European Commission fined Google $5 billion for antitrust violations and ordered the company to stop illegally tying Chrome and search apps to Android. While Google is appealing the decision, it also is changing the way it licenses things for Android shipped into the European economic area. Vendors can choose to pay the to license Google mobile apps and Play Store, Chrome and Search all separately. Look at that. Previously, they were all bundled into Android for free. Apps can also be licensed for non-Google versions of Android. The new system begins October 29. So basically, they have to comply with the order even while they're appealing it. And this is their solution. Don't you don't don't want them bundled? Then you have to pay for them. Which makes sense. Um, Yeah, there were a number of issues there. It was also the idea that if you would use their uh service then you couldn't use any other service uh equivalent service. now so, google disputes if that was actually the case so i agree you but know, that we, was also part of the and, yeah. and and google says we haven't changed anything you still don't have to do that so mm-hmm. you know saying that apps can be licensed for non-google versions of android is new though uh they didn't license them uh for non-google versions of android before so that that that's fair to point out i think uh do you think this is angry compliance? Like, well, fine, if you're going to make us do this and we're going to charge you, or do you think it's reasonable for them to charge you? I mean, it it seems like they would. Uh, it's kind of a either workaround of the intent of the, the ruling in the same way that uh, Microsoft, when they were forced to... Uh, have a version of Windows that didn't include uh, Windows Media Player, they said, well, great, here's another one, costs the same, Uh, you can buy it if you want, it doesn't have Windows Media Player. Uh, So maybe this is kind of similar. Honestly, I'm not sure about the ruling to begin with, Uh, Mm. so I can't say that this is the right way to address it. Yeah, and having it be bundled for free was considered part of the anti-competitive problem. It was too cheap. How could you refuse when it was free? So <laughs> there's another argument in the ruling that they should charge for it as well. Um, yeah, I mean, if the, the goal is to get more competition in, this seems like it could make it happen. Now, what would be the co- maybe other players like Samsung are going to get into this? 
ARM announced its roadmap for its Neoverse chip designs to power high-performance servers, edge computing platform storage systems, gateways, 5G base stations, and routers. Companies adapted ARM designs for such uses in the past, but Neoverse will be designed specifically for infrastructure uses and the workloads they entail. Among the partners on the project are Microsoft, Red Hat, Oracle, and Docker. The first products using Neoverse will ship next year, built on a 7-nanometer platform with 5 nanometers expected by 2020. Uh, Intel's lunch is just sitting there on the table, and Arm is like, <laughs> mm, I've got a fork. I would like to eat your lunch, Intel. Let me, uh, let me double down on people using Arm and servers by really putting some R&D money behind it. it, it that seems to be what's going on here. How likely do you think it is that they will succeed here? Because Intel has tried to eat ARM's lunch by going into mobile and low-power chips, and they have not succeeded. Mm -hmm. Uh, Do you think ARM has the, uh, I guess, research and development capacity to power up, to up the power of their chips to power servers? I mean, some people have started doing this already, but... I think that's um, that's what gives me the. It's like, hey, if people are taking your existing chips and trying to use them for that, it means that there's an appetite there that you might want to fulfill. But it's not just Intel; they're also competing with AMD there. And you know, it, it's you know one of the key points about ARM for the longest time is that you know they weren't a fabber or they didn't sell you the chips. They sold they sold licenses of designs, and Apple, Qualcomm, and other companies could take and then develop their own system on a chip based on those designs. What ARM is doing right now is taking that. It's like, well, everyone's been doing that. Let's do it in-house for ourselves. And what's interesting is that they are looking forward. So Intel still kind of has the server market, but they also are heavily in the desktop market. And ARM is like, well, desktop is there, but it's probably not the future. Future will be cloud computing where people will access various uh, uh, processing services online via a tablet, smartphone, or, or some smaller uh, embedded device. So why don't we reach out? Because that's where the growth is, right? You, yeah. the, the PC growth market is kind of mature. The, the PC market's mature, so you're not going to get as much growth as you would uh, developing servers that can be both not just powerful but flexible, right? Being able to pick the amount of cores that you need in the mach- in your blade servers is tremendous instead of just well buying whatever you know a chips that that you already have for sale and then trying to shoehorn them into the situation that you have Hey, folks, if you want to get all the tech headlines each day in about five minutes, be sure to subscribe to dailytechheadlines.com. So Discord's curated PC game store and enhanced Nitro game subscription service now available to all 150 million users uh, in beta form. Remember, it debuted in Canada back in August. Now everybody can get it. Universal Library tab lets users manage all their games within Discord. That also is releasing globally today. And Discord says first on Discord titles are temporarily exclusive, usually for 90 days. Then the developers can sell anywhere they want, like Steam. Discord's new $10 per month Nitro subscription offers all-you-can-play access to 60 games. This is a big deal. Discord competing with Steam. Steam being sort of the dominant store. But stores, Patrick, may (laughs) feel... Sort of retro and old-fashioned soon if the promise of streaming games catches on where you don't have to download it and play it locally. Where are we with that? Is that still pie in the sky? Uh, I think it's not. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. 
So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. The Claude 3 model family from Anthropic is your one-stop shop for enterprise AI. With models at every point on the price performance curve, you no longer have to make trade-offs between intelligence, speed, and cost. Claude 3 Opus sets new industry benchmarks for intelligence. Sonnet strikes the perfect balance between skills and speed. And Haiku is the fastest and lowest cost model on the market, perfectly designed for high-volume, high-speed use cases. Join the thousands of enterprises who trust Anthropic to keep them at the frontier. Visit anthropic.com slash Claude today. My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then, Stripe Tap to Pay on iPhone came along and changed everything. With Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. No more juggling different methods. Just a simple tap on my iPhone and transactions are complete. What's truly remarkable is how Stripe caters to all my customers' preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Stripe ensures a smooth checkout experience every time. Setting up Stripe was a breeze, taking just minutes to get up and running. From local markets to global retailers, Stripe helped me expand my reach and grow my business with ease. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, Visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone. Pie in the sky anymore. Uh, it has been for a long time, but now it feels like the unavoidable future. Yeah. Um, it's and- pie in really low flying mode. <laughs> Exactly. Very near the Low ground. flying pies. Low hanging pies. <laughs> um, so as a quick reminder, this technology of streaming video games to you and you sending the input from a controller, for example, uh, into the cloud and getting the results via streaming video, so a, a, a remote server, it, the, the idea isn't new. Uh, OnLive launch, launched its service on in June 2010, and back then, people were very, very skeptical. And I think that a lot of people look at the failure of services like OnLive and Gaikai, which actually didn't even launch and was bought by uh, Sony um, before it could launch, OnLive uh, was also bought by Sony. That is what turned into their existing PlayStation Now service. So the failure of those services and maybe looking at the PlayStation Now service, that isn't, you know, uh, uh, becoming the most successful thing ever. And they think, well, that means they don't work. Um, and a lot of people look at the technical requirements of these services and think that's the reason they don't work. I have an issue with that line of thinking. I think the technical challenges are real and that they are, you know, it's two prong. Basically, there's the bandwidth issue, which currently seems like it's mostly solved. You can stream 4K uh, TV content. And that is not a problem for many people, not for everyone, of course. Uh, of course, you, there's a buffer capability if you're streaming video uh, as opposed to video games, which have to be very uh, responsive. But I think for, for a lot of people, it's solved. The and, and getting better all the time, I would add. Like and it's band- getting better. Bandwidth is improving, not getting worse. Right. Uh, latency is more of a sensitive issue, but uh, as some of the tests uh, attest, it can also be uh, brought down enough that it's 
becoming usable for more and more people. 5G has a, a very strong low latency component. Uh, so technically, I think that is coming under a feasible umbrella. The real challenge for the previous services, I think, which people don't realize, was more of a commercial one. Uh, the value proposition wasn't good and arguably still isn't good with PlayStation now because it's older games. Um, on live, couldn't sign big games and big publishers and big developers because they had no interest in coming to on live when their games were available in other places for, you know, maybe they didn't want to piss off or the point is on live didn't have good games available or recent games. So that is where if the, the technic, technical aspects of it are um, working for many people and more and more people, it's the, the business opportunities that are going to be driving all of this. Um, because if you can access your... Basically, we were talking about Discord and Steam. Um, and essentially, Microsoft's Xbox and Sony's PlayStation are the same thing. They're a platform, they have customers, and they offer you those customers in exchange for 30% of your uh, money if you're a developer so that you put your game on their store, right? They're essentially storefronts. Yeah. Um, if people don't need that uh, store f to, to go to that, store, that storefront to access your content, then you have a direct relationship with your customers and you don't have to give up 30% of your uh, revenue. That is a very interesting uh, business proposition for uh, people who don't have a storefront. So any big publisher, Ubisoft, uh, Activision, uh, all of them. And by the way, that's why they all have stores on uh, the the on Windows and uh, Mac OS because they would rather you buy your their uh, games on your on their store than on Steam. So again, they don't have to pay thirty percent to Valve. Um, so streaming technology enables this everywhere. It, it even uh, enables a developer to create an app that you download that's very light. It doesn't matter if you don't have the latest console or the latest PC. You download the thing and it runs streaming the game. And that means that it, it, it means that it's partly unavoidable as a technology if it works. And since it's interesting to big developers, uh, it seems like the, the, the existing platforms also have an incentive to uh, follow the trend. Because if they don't, they, they can, and it's more convenient to do it that way for some people, um, they kind of become irrelevant. They can't not have it if everyone else is doing it. Um, so I think that all of this snowballs together into, as I was saying, the inevitable future of streaming as a uh, tentative technology, meaning they're going to try it. Now, whether it works enough for enough people that it's going to succeed, that I, I think it will, but we can't really know at this point. Uh, but the fact that everyone's going that way is kind of inevitable. It reminds me a lot of what happens with television shows and movies in the streaming world in reverse, but what happened there was everybody devalued the idea of a streaming TV show. Like, yeah, sure, Netflix, you can stream our back catalog. It's good for nothing. We're not making any money off of it until suddenly they're like, oh, crap, Netflix is running away with the industry. We need to pull that catalog back and make our own streaming service. This is the opposite where it's it's sort of like, well, no, this is really valuable. I don't want it to be on streaming, but 
now that streaming seems to be getting momentum, maybe I'll need to put it on streaming because I don't want to get left behind. That's definitely the case. But also, um, the people think streaming and think Netflix so subscription but Mm. it doesn't have to be subscription right you could uh pay for that service for you know a specific game for a couple of days for and pay 10 bucks it could be rental it could be just buy the full game once maybe that would be the second age of streaming video games i don't think people will be very uh likely to buy a game that is streaming from somewhere because they want to quote unquote own it even if it's digitally i don't know never say never that but, people thought that about digital too and it's turning out not to be exactly true. and now no one bats an eye at buying games digitally on steam and you never have a box yeah. anywhere and it's right. more and more common with consoles as well um and yeah so it's it's a really interesting and there are many possibilities but everyone's going that way I wonder if there's if there's an opportunity for the the game companies to say, look, we don't want to have to operate a streaming service. That's too complicated. But we could rent some time on one and do the rentals of our entire catalog from our store. That's the way we make money directly. And then we rent out to these various Xbox, Sony streaming services to make sure we don't miss out on that, too. Well, this is already happening, actually. Uh, Ubisoft has rented the services of a third-party company to uh, – provide assassin's creed in japan mm-hmm. uh on the switch which is not that. capable enough right. to run that game uh and it it wasn't their own servers i thought initially they were uh, mm-hmm. ramping up on, on that and last point it also brings in more uh players because google as we know is uh, looking into this which again uh makes the financial pressure or competitive pressure higher because it's another entrant which has instant access to every screen in the world and the uh, technical capability to provide that service. So everyone has to do it because they have to. Yeah. Hey, thanks everybody who participates in our subreddit. Lots of gaming stories there like every day, but, but all tech stories are good ones. Thank you to our community. Submit stories and vote on them at dailytechnewsshow.reddit.com. We're also on Facebook, facebook.com slash group slash dailytechnewsshow. All right. Let's dip into the mailbag, Sarah. Let's do it. Uh, DeGrasha or mm-hmm. DeGradia, either way, very DeGrasha. cool name. DeGrasha had some thoughts on TCL's Palm supplemental phone. Yesterday I was like, eh, who wants it? smaller phone that that I, you know, I can barely keep one phone. DeGrasha said, I totally love the idea of having a smaller, less capable second phone. I technically carry two phones with me now. I use an LG Expression 2 as my phone and a Samsung S8 as a mobile hotspot. Love the simplicity of the second phone, the LG phone. I find myself less distracted. I've reconnected with people I haven't spoken to in years. I feel that my conversations are more meaningful than when they would have been in the past. Since the LG isn't connected to the mobile web, can't receive MMS, it can receive SMS, which is a blessing and a curse at the same time. For the time being, though, I like the notion of random messages from group chats and subscription services being filtered out. As a workaround, I use a reverse carrier lookup. Uh, Degrasha uses freecarrierlookup.com so that I can send emails as SMS and vice versa. Individuals who can send SMS and MMS to my email from their phones. Hmm. Interesting. Love hearing the perspective on 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 this sort of behavior because I think a lot of people dismissed that Palm idea as a stupid idea. Whether the phone actually takes off or not is a whole different thing. But there are a lot of people like Degrasha who 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 really do like having that limited capability. For sure. Yes. Good and he's definitely not alone. And it's always nice to hear your 
perspective. Also nice to hear from Patrick Beja. Uh, Patrick, what has been going on in your world and where can folks keep up with your work? Well, if you want to hear more about my thoughts on gaming, you can go to, uh, well, the podcast that I produce and host, Pixels. And I expand a little bit on what I talked about here and talk about uh, many other interesting stories about gaming in the latest episode that was recorded today. Uh, If that's a little bit too hardcore gamer for you and you want something less uh, uh, daunting, you might want to subscribe to MVGB. What does MVGB stand for, you might ask? Well, it's the monthly video game briefing that uh, Scott Johnson and myself host uh, for DTNS. Can we say that? Yeah, or For the DTNS family? Um, it's a, it's a monthly show where we go over the three biggest stories in gaming for casual audiences. So if you're not really uh, uh, super, not interested, but if you're not knowledgeable about gaming and you still want to follow that industry and know what's happening there, uh, go listen to MVGB. I think you might like it. Yeah, absolutely, folks. This is this is basically the the best of the gaming minds of the Daily Tech News Show staff uh, put out once a month for your enjoyment without feeling like you're left out because, well, I don't play every game immediately when it comes out every time. Uh, so that is for you, dailytechnewsshow.com slash MVGB. Uh, big thanks to everybody who supports us on Patreon. Our goal every month is to get at least one more patron than last month. So please stick with us if you're with us and join us if you're not. Patreon.com slash DTNS. Our email address is feedback at dailytechnewsshow.com. Thanks to everybody's feedback. We love hearing from you. We're also live Monday through Friday at 4.30 p.m. Eastern, 2030 UTC. And you can find out more and tell a friend. dailytechnewsshow.com slash live. Back tomorrow with Scott Johnson as our contributor. Talk to you then. This show is part of the Frog Pants Network. Get more at frogpants.com. Hi, this is Matt and Sean from Two Black Guys with good credit from a local business to a global corporation. Partnering with Bank of America gives your operation access to exclusive digital tools, award-winning insights, and business solutions so powerful, you'll make every move matter. Visit bankofamerica.com slash banking for business to learn more. What would you like the power to do? Bank of America, N.A., copyright 2024. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.